Blog Talk Radio.
afternoon, folks. It's the Airline Radio Talk Show and the Eastern Airline Radio Show. We're on the air live with another episode of Airline Talk News and History. We call it the Airline Radio Hour, bringing you stories from here and there and from airline to airline. Hi, my name is Neil Holland. I'm a retired captain with Eastern Airlines and producer of the show. And if you're listening in on the show's website, which is blogtalkradio.com forward slash C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E. That is Captain Eddie. And it's abbreviated to Captain C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E. Captain Eddie. Or Captain Eddie Rickenbacker. And we'd like to, if you would like to call in and talk with our guest and host, or just to add your memories today and then why not give us a call? Go to your phone or your smartphone uh, and call 213-816-1611. The producer, me, will see your number on the caller's board and ask if you'd like to join the host and share those memories with us. That's what we plan to do today, sharing memories. We are a satellite-based radio station, and we're heard around the world, and as a matter of fact, we have listeners in over 50 countries now. Our broadcasting antenna is over 22,000 miles above the earth. So we get around the world pretty quick. Let's repeat the number now if you'd like to add your comments to our listening audience. Again, it's 213-816-1611. Why not call us now? I see we've got a caller just popped in on my producer's board, so we'll get to our callers in just a minute. As we normally do during our broadcast, when we had when we have dead air time, we call it dead air time. We slip on a record and and uh, and we play uh, just a song, just to uh, get away from uh, uh, the uh, the boring sound of people talking. But uh, at any rate, uh, we make our talk interesting because it's of our airlines that we work for. So our song today was, uh, as you know, sung by B.B. King. And uh, that's what we heard uh, playing a, a song that he did for Northwest Airlines, which, by the way, was absorbed into Delta Airlines by merger. The merger approved was uh, October of 2008, and it made Delta the largest airline in the world until American Airlines came along and bought up U.S. Airways, and that merger made them the biggest in the world. We'll bring you a different airline music song or, or theme music for each radio show that we do this year, and uh, our audience has really grown to many airlines now. Now let's see who we have on the uh, on the line on my producer's board and and uh, talk with them a little bit and and to see if we uh, uh, can get uh, some interesting stories. Uh, first of all, uh, we want to talk with Sandy Clement up in, or I should say, down in Fort Walton in the Panhandle of Florida. Hello, Sandy. How are you? Hi, Neil. I'm doing great, thanks. How about you? Oh, I'm doing great, great. Uh, uh, my voice is fading. I, I guess that's with age and uh, crackly voice, and uh, sound like I've been smoking all my life. But, but uh, you know, some of the great, greatest announcers I think were cigarette smokers. Just uh, 
I used to think that anyhow. Every time I heard a great voice like Alexander Scorby, who used to do the Eastern commercials, you guys remember Alexander Scorby, and uh, yeah. he was a smoker too. So at any rate, uh, good to have you with us. You're in the Fort Walton, Panhandle, of Florida area. So, uh, but uh, let, let me uh, see who's at area code five one two. Oh, that must be our host, Jim Harris, Captain Jim Harris of Eastern Airlines. Hello, Jim. Let me open your microphone. I forgot to do that. Uh, oh, okay. You're on the air now, Jim. Okay. Yeah, Captain Jim Harris is in the Dripping Springs, Texas. I'm about 15 west of Austin, Texas. It's a, it's a pleasant 58 degrees. It's overcast, uh, no wind. That's a pretty nice day. No complaints. And you mentioned before, Jim, that you're not too far from Austin, Texas. I think you're just about a suburb of Austin, aren't you? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. You know, Unfortunately, I, yep. I think Austin, hasn't it become like a, a Texas Nashville music town? Uh that's what they say, but I never go into Austin listen to any of it, so I suppose. I think they have a uh, name, Austin Lights, or something like that. I'm not familiar with it. I keep, well, I keep and, a low anyhow, profile out here in West Austin. so <laughs> Low profile, dri- dri- Dripping <laughs> yeah. Springs, Texas. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep. Okay. Here I am. Well. At any rate, uh, today we're going to try something different, and we're going to try to tell some stories. Uh, uh, I thought about doing some of the stories that my late colleague that uh, was with Eastern for 42 years, he he passed away a few years back, but he was uh, a great friend, and we did a book together, uh, and he was an admiral in the Navy. Rear Admiral when he retired, and but he was also with Eastern Airlines about two years before Eddie Rickenbacker came on the scene. Uh, he started, oh. uh, yeah, he graduated from Georgia Tech, and he was in the first graduation class of aeronautical engineers at Georgia Tech, and that was way back in the late 20s, early early 30s. And um, but John Engel. Uh, John Engel was was not a pilot. He was in management, marketing, and sales mostly. Had you ever heard of him, uh, Jim or Sandy? No, I Jim don't Harris know John. Harris doesn't. Okay, yeah, he not- he was here in Jacksonville. Uh, the last uh, job he had with Eastern was as district manager, and he was headquartered here in Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, people around Jacksonville. The, the powers uh, that be here in Jacksonville all referred to John as Mr. Eastern Airlines. And um, he, he he had all the business of all the employed government people here in the uh, county and the city uh, he got with Eastern. And uh, he was a well-respected and loved person here. But I had the fortune of, uh, the good fortune of meeting him when we moved from Pensacola over here to uh, Jacksonville. And um, they had a chapter of the Eastern Airlines Retiree Association, E-A-R-A. And um, I met John when we first moved here, and we became great friends. And and we did a book together. And uh, 
the best of repartee, which were the greatest stories told over the years uh, in the magazines of the magazine as known as repartee, R-E-P-A-R-T-T-R-T-E-E, -E, excuse me, and which is a takeoff of the Retired Eastern Pilots Association for REPA. And repartee is a word that basically means uh, of quick wit. And, uh, and that's what the articles in that uh, magazine were. They were usually witty uh, and uh, very, very interesting. So John and I sat down one day in my office and we decided that why not we, there were 35 years that, he, that uh, REPA had been a, uh, a representative of the pilots, retired pilots. And we just decided that we would take the best stories in those magazines and, and put them in a bound book. And we did. We printed up about 2,500 of them, and, man, they went like hotcakes. So we sold out. And uh, I put name? together. It was uh, called uh, The Best of Repartee. The Best of Repartee. And Repartee was the name of the magazine that uh, represented the official organ of the Retired Eastern Pilots Association. And uh, and then I decided later on, after John had passed away, he died at 97 years old, and uh, after he passed away, I decided to take some additional stories along with some of the stories in that book that we did together and come up with a book that I titled The Wings of Many. But I put the many, M-A-N, and then in brackets, a Y. So I took uh, from that uh, phrase that uh, we used in the book that was written by uh, Mr. King. I think it was John King that wrote The Wings of Man, story of uh, Dick Merrill and Captain Dick Merrill with Eastern, famous captain with Eastern Airlines. So I started my story, and... And uh, let's see, I want to talk to, let's, let's see, you, uh, Sandy, we haven't heard much from you. You've been on the show one or two times, and glad to have you back, and thanks for coming in for Brenda Chabot, who, by the way, does a fantastic job in, in the magazine that, do, that she does for the Silverliners organization. And if you want to start there, tell us a little about the Silverliners and how you are involved, Sandy, and where you are, and how the weather is, or whatever you want to talk about, just go right ahead. The microphone is yours, Sandy. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Neil. Um, it's a pleasure to be with you today. And uh, I was flight attendant for Eastern for 27 years. I started in 1964 and, of course, ended in 91. And uh, as far as the Silver Liners is concerned, I belonged to them back in the 80s when I was living in Tampa and commuting to Miami. But then um, I moved back to Alabama after Eastern folded and uh, kind of lost touch with everyone. But one day I, I got in touch with Barbara Bucata. You know, I'd like to have a chapter on the panhandle now that I'm living here. So we got together and we opened one in Fort Walden. And I didn't know any flight attendants here, and all of a sudden I have 25 new friends, and I was just delighted. And from that, Barbara and I have been working together on her committee, and uh, we've opened um, several chapters. 
We now have 30 across the United States representing 83 different airlines. And talk about Brenda Chabot. Her, the magazine is fantastic. She does a wonderful job and has the patience of Job to put it all together with all of us sending things in at the last minute. But um, And my sister was just visiting with me and saw my magazine on the, on the coffee table, and she sat down and read the whole thing and was totally fascinated by the, the stories of the different airlines and different yeah. chapters. Well, we uh, just opened just, something about Northwest. We opened, we just opened a chapter in Minneapolis, and I met quite a few Northwest flight attendants, and they have a lot of stories to tell. Yeah. Well, I uh, get the magazine because I'm an affiliate member, and um, I get the magazine, and she does, I think she puts two of them a year, seems like. Yeah, and that's right. what a remarkable job. I was the editor for the uh, Repartee magazine for the Retired Eastern Pilots Association for five years. And I know uh, how hard a job it is uh, to put a magazine. We did three magazines a year, and um, uh, it was difficult. It really was. And we had usually about the same number of pages in the magazine and and I just I just rave about the, the Silverliners because she does such a wonderful job. Uh, our little magazine started as a newsletter when REPA first formed. And uh, from a newsletter, it uh, turned into a magazine type with stapled in the middle, uh, saddleback stitching, they called it. And, uh, and it usually had about 80 pages in it, and it was black and white, no color. And when I took over the magazine from Captain Bill Malone, um, he had it for 15 years. I decided I wanted a little color in it. So the first thing I did is I introduced a color cover, a uh, front cover. And I decided that the cover would be like, you remember, you guys remember the, the Time Magazine and the Person of the Year Time Magazine? Yes. Well, I did yes. it kind of like that. And uh, and then I tried to feature uh, the, the pilot that best represented the Retired Eastern Pilots Association. Of course, the organization of all retirees. And, um, and so we had a, a picture of usually the one that uh, would receive the Hall of Fame award each year. And, uh, and then a few magazines later, I decided that, well, why not just go ahead and color the magazine inside? So a few pictures we had scattered around the magazine because color, of course, was just so expensive. But Brenda's magazine is just brilliant work. She does a fantastic job of that. Yeah, like you say, the stories that she puts in there from all the flight attendants around the various chapters that send to her, uh, uh, she gets a lot of cooperation from the Silver Liners membership. Uh, I had to beg for stories <laughs> from the pilots. They were too busy on the golf course or, or fishing or whatever in retirement. And uh, But the, you flight attendants, uh, gals and guys uh, representing in Silver Liners. But what really 
does the Silverliners uh, represent uh, a charity, a charitable organization? How does that work? Uh, how does that work, Sandy? The Silverliners International <clears throat> charity is uh, Paul Newman's Hole in the Wall Gang. Okay. And that was a camp that, that Paul Newman started um, for seriously ill children. They should have the opportunity to raise a little hell. So he started these camps. And now the Silver Liners have um, at one point raised enough money that Paul Newman, when he was alive, of course, uh, matched what we what the Silver Liners raised. And a cabin was built, a medically equipped cabin. Wow. And, the, and the camp is in um, Ashford, Kentucky, just outside of Hartford, out Kentucky, um, wow. uh, Connecticut. Uh-huh just outside of Hartford, Connecticut. And yeah. uh, then each chapter has its own charity. Uh, for example, Fort Walton uh, chapter, which is the Emerald Coast chapter, has a, um, we have um, the Special Olympics and also the Ronald McDonald House. So each chapter okay. has its own charity. Yeah, we have a charity here, and I think they're talking about adding another one here in Jacksonville. And um, but uh, it's uh, it's great that what you guys do. Uh, do you have any uh, chapters overseas or foreign chapters? Not at the moment, but we're working on that too because we've had some people that have inquired and would like to form one. We also have some people in Hawaii that would like to have one. Wow. So okay. we're working on that too. Okay, very good. Well, listen, I want to open up right now. Uh, Jim Harris, are you still with me? I think oh, of I course. just might. Yeah, of course. Well, you've had some time to think about uh, some of your uh, great flight stories that you'd like to tell from time to time. And uh, I'm going to share one with you in a few minutes. But I, can you can you think of, uh, I think you have had a hard time trying to think of your boring life as an Eastern Airlines captain. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that, that was way fun. Even had, I had my own little steering wheel to drive it around on the ground. <laughs> yeah. That was neat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, we, they wouldn't give the co-pilot a steering wheel until some of the uh, other jets came out later on. Do you remember when the first time you took a hold of that steering wheel on the left side of the 727, Jim? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah, sure do. Did you it have any problems taxing it? No, none at all. <laughs> you see, I had I watched these other guys do it for years. Yeah. <laughs> so all you had to do was just remember what they did and do the same thing. Okay, so really that's about the only thing you had to learn different because everybody sitting in those two seats, the left and right seat, know how to fly it, but they don't know how to drive it around the airport with that little <laughs> yeah, it's, wheel. It's a little, it's a little different. <laughs> yep, I remember the first time I ever did it. Uh, yeah. I can't remember what where we went into, but it was a, a real long taxiway just to get to the terminal. Uh huh. Uh huh. I had plenty of experience by the time I got there. You kept it right down the center of that little yellow line? Absolutely. 
<laughs> yep. Don't don't veer off to the side. You hit things. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, and, I, and, I, uh, and then the, then you have to talk to the FAA and the chief pilot, and you don't want to do that. That's right. That's right. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, in the simulator. You know, you were right there at the jetway, and, and the picture was very real, and uh, they pushed you back. Now, when I checked out and you checked out, we didn't use that simulator for our check rides. You may have, but I didn't. I had to take my check ride right in the airplane itself and go out to the Everglades and do some steep turns and slow flight and, and uh, stalls. We call them stalls and falls and uh, approach, engine approach failures. To. Yeah, engine hey, approach failures. to a stall. Yeah, approach to a stall. We call it getting the stick shaker rattling. That's right. <laughs> and and uh, I, I unfortunately, uh, all of my ratings came in the simulator, but I would much rather have done it in an airplane. It was fun, and I took my check ride in the airplane too. And we had that airport out there. I don't know, if, Sandy, if you knew about our training procedures as uh, pilots with Eastern, but. They had a concrete runway out there in the Everglades, not too far from where Flight 401 crashed. And um, it was called, I, can't, I think it was Dade Collier Airport or something like that. And it was made primarily for the airlines. I think Eastern had a lot to do with getting it started. And it had a runway. It had a, a navigational facility so that we could do uh, approaches like we would at real airports. And uh, it was used primarily for commercial flight training of the commercial airlines, Delta and Eastern and Northwest, and some of the other airlines used it. And uh, they, it was pretty neat. And I took my check ride there, and they gave me an engine failures and all that right in the airplane instead of taking it in the in the simulator. And uh, yeah, it would be a lot easier to do. It was so much easier than the simulator. The simulator was difficult. It was. For, well, you, yeah, first you, although you, you had to learn how to fly the simulator. Yeah. Oh, the, it was difficult to learn how to fly it. Yeah, yeah. It took a while just to be able to fly the simulator. That's right. Although it had motion, it, it had no feel to it. Mm-hmm, And mm-hmm. a real airplane, of course, you have all these sensations that no matter what you're doing, whether you accelerate and decelerate and turn and whatever – you have sensations that 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 you know, the CD pants there. Yeah. So that's well, very helpful. Yeah, Sandy. What kind of training did they give you? And and uh, did they give you any kind of real life experience training, like jumping in the water or whatever? How, how did your training in the early days? We did have ditching out in Biscayne Bay. We did. Oh, at Biscayne and Bay. Okay. Yes, and we did have to jump off of a, I think it was a Coast Guard cutter. And and jump into the water and then board the life raft and put everything up and and uh, that was it was totally amazing. I don't know how how long after that that they stopped it, but um, um, everybody that I've talked to as a you know it, it was trained in the swimming pool there at the Miami Springs Villas. At the Villas, yeah, yeah. I think the pilots went out one time in the bay, and I think it got, I did. they fogged in. Yeah. And, well, and, I, I didn't get fogged in. Actually, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So I think it wasn't long after that, I think they stopped it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember our first, first uh, ditching, uh, and I believe there was a guy named Vince uh, Curran 
was the instructor. Well, you remember Vince Curran? Yeah. I do. Yeah, he taught safety and ditching and all that, and we had to go out in Biscayne Bay, just like you said, and uh, with the flight attendants. But, well, and uh, that wasn't such a bad job. Uh, we enjoyed doing that. It was kind of like, you know, getting out of school on a, on a field trip or something like that. It was it was fun. It was. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. fun. <laughs> Felt like a kid again. <laughs> But uh, Jim, did you did you go out in the in the Biscayne Bay when you got your you got your rating the same year I got mine I think? Uh, no, did not. Everything did that in, I did was in the simulator. In the simulator. Yeah. So whenever yeah. I was a flight engineer on the Electra, he used to go. You called it go to the Blue Water. Mm-hmm. And uh, out in the out in the bay there, and uh, it was way pretty. I didn't get to watch much, but. We had the back seat there. Yeah, yeah. You didn't even have a little table that you could have your meal on, like the 727. Uh-uh. They didn't give you anything right. except your lap. To put That's your meal about on. it. Yep. <laughs> Only thing I had to do was put my open the door and put my foot on the door to be sure it didn't close up. It didn't close up where all of the uh, uh, release all the hydraulic stuff off the Electra. That was yeah, important. Yeah. Sandy, did you ever fly the Convair? I did not. Uh, no, I had the DC-7, the Latra, the Constellation, and then the 727, 720, and then finishing up with the 1011 and A300. What but was your speaking favorite of, of all not airplanes? having a table to eat on, uh, remember, remember on the on the Constellation and the DC seven, but we didn't have tables then, drop leaf tables. Yeah. So we had to have a pillow for every passenger on the plane, so yeah. that we could put the pillow. We had to run through, put pillows down before we could bring out the trays for their lunch or dinner. And now you, you know, can't find pillows. Yeah, and you know, a funny thing, not a funny thing, but an interesting thing was back in the day of the DC-3s and the 4s and the 6s and 7s and Constellations and all the prop airplanes, do you remember where you stored your baggage and where the pillows were kept? They were kept in an overhead without a door. They were just there. That's right. So in turbulent air, did you ever have any come out of those overhead racks? (laughs) Um, the, the coats and pillows, yes, but never yeah. luggage. We wouldn't let people put their luggage up there. Okay, it's just coats and pillows, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we we sure changed over the years with the equipment and the safety features and so forth. But what what was your favorite aircraft to fly as a cabin crew member? Oh, the 1011 and the A300. Okay. I flew the A300 and the 1011, and I like both airplanes, although I like the 1011 better than the A300. But my favorite airplane, of course, I guess, like Jim Harris, is we we kind of teethed like a baby on the 727 in our captain days. And uh, that was a wonderful airplane. It was just – and then they even improved it, and they came along with it with the Boeing 757, and I had the opportunity of flying captain on that, too. And what a remarkable airplane that was. Wow. 
Yeah. Did you ever fly the 757? Yeah, I like the Boeing aircraft, yes. Yeah. They are nice. They were great, great airplanes. Well, did you ever have any uh, interesting experiences with celebrities or uh, rowdy passengers or uh, anything like that, weather delays and layovers and just anything you want to talk about uh, that um, might be of interest? Because there's so many stories out there in the aviation or especially the airline industry because we deal with uh, so many flights every day and so many personalities um, and most of the weird personalities are in the front two seats and, and but you, you had some weirdos weirdos in the back too to contend with Sandy but did you ever have any interesting experiences flying that you you like to talk about when you get with the silver liners on your monthly meetings what do y'all talk about do you talk about the old days when when you were a flight attendant and uh, you know this happened to me type of story Sometimes we do that. We do talk about um, the old days, but then we also talk about current things that are going on in our lives. Uh-huh. But um, I, I, I had celebrities. I had uh, crazy passengers. <laughs> uh, I had some wild experiences. Um, I, I do remember a, a one time, though, um, it was a tech captain out of out of New York. I can't remember his name right at the moment, but we were about to push back, and I was standing in the aisle, and he got on the PA and said, if Sandy would get out of the aisle so we can <laughs> push back, it would help me <laughs> to see where we're going. And the passengers loved it, and I, and I was quite surprised, of course. <laughs> You were blocking the rearview mirror. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And one one time I was, uh, I ran back out to the gate uh, to get the gate agent to order me some more meals because we were short. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And um, while I was talking to the gate agent, the other gate agent closed out the flight and closed the door and the captain was pushing back. And I ran down to the end of the jetway. And as he was even with me, I waved. And his mouth, you should have seen his face. <laughs> oh, my God, my senior flight attendant is standing in the jetway. So I had to pull back up the jetway back up to the plane to let me back oh, on. Golly. <laughs> oh, golly. Uh, then one time we had a 78-hour layover in Peru, in Lima, and um, uh, I think five of us, five of the crew members, uh, jumped on a plane and went to Cusco and Machu Picchu and then got back to take the flight back to Miami. A 70-some-hour layover? A 78-hour layover, yes. My golly. So we, planned, we, planned, we planned the trip uh, right down to the last minute. So we got back in time to um, take a nap and then get on the plane and come home. Wow. So that was wow. That was a fun. I remember uh, one thing before I get to Jim's story. I know he thought of one by now, but we used to fly down to Jamaica, and uh, we had, at the airport, and the uh, agent there. We had a three-hour layover. It was just a short layover, but the airport was right there by a uh, a swimming area for you know uh, visitors, tourists, and so forth. Good a beach, 
And so he would give us the car and we would drive over there and, and uh, sunbathe and go swimming and, and then uh, come back and change back into our uniforms. And that was really nice. We spent about an hour, hour and a half there. And, and uh, one time we almost not made it because I think all of us fell asleep. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but uh, yeah, but seventy-eight hours. Where in the world? Uh, yeah, you could you could take a cruise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, Jim. Okay. I know you thought of one story. Yeah, I thought of one. <laughs> yeah, this um, it's not especially funny, but. I always, once I got to be captain, I always liked to leave the cockpit door open until we got out oh. to, ready to take the runway. Yeah. Well, the the door was open, and I liked the passenger seat. There's actually somebody up there flying the airplane. Well, all of a sudden, just the flight attendant back says, lock the cockpit door. I'm about to have a riot back up. I said, why me, Lord? I was a new captain. I said, why <laughs> me, Lord? Well, anyway, and here's this guy standing in the door. While we're moving, he said, I went off this airplane. I said, sit down. You're getting off the airplane. That is a foregone conclusion. <laughs> and what he said, he said, I'm an engineer. Uh, oh, we had a fuel spill is what it was. Had too much fuel in the outboard tanks. He's putting on about 11, a little better than 11,000 outboard tanks. Uh, he was prone to have run out the vent tube there, the dump tubes. Yeah. Well, as LaGuardia and the runways is asphalt, and in, in the summertime, it gets real hot. The 727 is one of the highest loaded planes on four tires, so uh-huh. it had caused some ruts in the uh, in the parking area there. And when he pushed back, the left gear went down in a low spot, and all the fuel ran to the left end of the, of the left wing and ran out the vent. Well, here's this guy in the door. He said, well, "I'm an engineer, and this fuel is going to run out, going to run down the wing. Going when you put on the brakes, it's going to catch on fire." Well, I thought, well, that's absurd because it ain't going to happen. Well, anyway, we scared my passengers. So needless to say, he didn't go any further with me. He didn't have to scare my passengers. That is not a good thing. So anyway, he didn't want to get off the airplane then. I said, really be a good idea if you get off this airplane now? Because I didn't tell him, but the cops at LaGuardia wear boots up their knees. They like to kick people. <laughs> so he did get off the airplane. So then I, so then I had to get on TV and make the announcement. And I just said, hey, folks, uh, this just like putting coffee in your coffee cup. When you put too much in there, it runs over. And I said, I've seen it too many times. It's no big deal. I said, this is nothing but kerosene, the same thing you put in your lantern to make a light. Uh-huh. I said, I have transferred fuel out of the outboards tank to the middle tank. It's not going to happen again. I said, it's, it's, it's nothing to worry about. I said, but I'm going to – I will keep you the straight story. I'm going to walk once this is done. I'm going to walk back through the cabin. If you have any questions about anything, you stop me, ask me, and I'll give you a straight, honest answer. And then once that is done, uh, well, I'm going to cl- we're going to close the door, and we're going to hit- we're going to go to Atlanta, Georgia. Well, I walked back through the cabin, and nobody said anything. So then, then we closed the door and went to Atlanta, completely uneventful, <laughs> like it's supposed to be. Yeah. Well, that's that, you that's you don't yeah. want to have any stories. <laughs> no, that's a good one. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And and yep, uh, I said, sit down. I said, sit down. You're gonna get off the airplane. <laughs> well, once you scare my passengers, that's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Did you ever have any crew 
uh, flight uh, front end crew problems, Sandy. Uh, you, you couldn't deal with the captain or the flight engineer, or the second officer, uh, first officer. I, I'm afraid I did. Oh, no. <laughs> good. I want to hear this. <laughs> it was um, it was right at the end of of Eastern. Um, uh-huh. But um, I was a senior on the flight, and I walked into the cockpit, and the first officer was looking to the right, and the second officer was looking down, and the captain was standing in the middle of the cockpit, and his wife was sitting in the captain's seat entering our flight plan into the computer. What? I didn't think that was a good idea. Wow. So I asked, I said, please, please, please don't do that. And he told me to get out. So I walked through the cabin and trying to get myself all settled down as to what I was going to say to him or whatever. So I walked around through the cabin and came back and I said, Captain, that, that really is not a good idea. Can can we not, can you not just change that? Because she's not, she's not qualified. And uh, he told me what to do. And so I, I did, and then he demoted me and told me that I was now no longer the senior, that I was the most junior, and that he didn't want to see me again, and I should go to the back of the airplane. My well, I, I called in flight and told them and asked what to do, and they had no idea, so I took my bag and got off the plane, okay. and they replaced me. And I got in a lot of trouble, but finally it did go before the safety board, and um, I was paid for the trip, and everything was okay. But they, at that time, had the chief pilot and somebody come back out, take the, the, his wife out of the cockpit, and they reentered all the information for safety reasons. Yeah. So that was the only time I ever had really had a problem. Wow, never, never thought of that. But um, I did have my wife up in the cockpit, but that was uh, on the A300, and um, it was uh, toward the end of Eastern's uh, uh, life. And I, we were going out to visit our son in California, who is a Marine, fresh Marine lieutenant. And uh, we had a long layover, a 30-some-hour layover out there. And we decided to go down to San Diego and visit with him but at any rate uh, when we were took off out of atlanta going into la uh, i told the flight attendant i asked the flight attendant if she would go and, and get my wife in first class and bring her up to the to the cockpit and i wanted her to sit in the cockpit with me on on this approach because it was sea fog as you remember how sea fog rolled into yeah. LA yeah. at the LAX airport from the Pacific when you were landing to the west and I wanted to demonstrate to her what I did for a living she'd never been in the cockpit before and we never did t- take too many past trips together we did went, went over to Europe on vacations and things like that but but at any rate, uh, uh, the flight attendant came back and told me, she said, your wife won't come up here. And I said, well, you tell her that if she doesn't, then I'm going to come back and escort her up here. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course, this was at night, you know, and the cabin lights were dim and all that going into L.A. And so 
she did eventually come up and sit behind me in the jump seat in the A300. And and uh, sure enough, we started the approach, and we were going to do a Category 3 landing and uh, locked in, had plenty of uh, room to lock in, time to lock into the autopilot into the uh, landing system on the on the ground and uh, made the full automatic landing and went into the clouds around the downy intersection there and came on down through the clouds. You couldn't see anything. And then uh, and all of a sudden, the second officer was calling out 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, 5, and then touchdown. And uh, the first thing you saw was the center lines of the runway, the lights as they went by, streaking by, one at a time. And um, But the airplane did the landing, so she didn't really see me go to work. It was the airplane that was doing all the work. But uh, uh, I don't know whether it ever impressed her at all. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, she did get I to see that. I think it's very impressive up there. Yeah, I think it was very impressive. Yeah. I, I wasn't impressed with somebody putting <laughs> just unqualified no. people putting oh, oh. Yeah, I know what you mean. The takeoff and landing is 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 uh, pr- pretty fascinating. Yeah. Very impressive. I always like to have flight attendants come up and sit, and I'm sure probably, Jim Harris, you did too, when they wanted to uh, visit the cockpit and, you know, sometime in flight and uh, especially on takeoff and landings. Most of the time they were doing their job in the back and they had their passengers and you didn't want to be in the cockpit during landing and uh, the takeoff because of uh, uh, because of uh, emergency. If, if it existed, you have to be in the right place at the right time to take care of the passengers. And of course, the flight attendants are always the first responders in the event that things don't go right and you have to stop abruptly, either intentionally or unintentionally. And um, they're right back there to take care of uh, the lives of uh, so many uh, on that airplane. So, But, uh, Jim, you got another. I was going to tell a story about my, when you mentioned LaGuardia, and it's like we said before going on air, when someone talks, it always brings up a story for me. During that conversation, you we, you were just talking about LaGuardia. I think yeah. you did, and uh, Jim did. Harris, and and uh, that recalled uh, my uh, when I went up there on temporary duty TDY. We got extra pay if we were able to get out of base, out of domicile, because of the needs of another base. And so I was went to New York, and first time I've ever flew out of New York. And I mean, as a crew base. And uh, I was there for about three months during the blizzard of 1978, as we all recall, the blizzard that slowed in New York and most of New England. And uh, uh, when I was uh, assigned to a shuttle flight, I'd never flown a shuttle flight. And uh, mine had always been domestic flights from, you know, especially I enjoyed flying the Caribbean. And... uh, so at any rate, got on the airplane, and the passengers were there, and the flight attendant came up and introduced herself as the senior flight attendant, and she asked me if uh, if there was anything that I wanted to tell her as far as uh, what to do, and I said, no, I, I said, I can't think of anything. I'm sure you briefed your other crew members, your other flight attendants, and um, and then she started to walk out, and I said, oh, oh, I I do remember one thing. I wanted to tell you, and that is uh, 
uh, since we're going over water, <clears throat> a little bit over water, I said if we if we have to crash into water and ditch the airplane, would you get the liquor kit and get in my life raft? <laughs> <laughs> she, she didn't laugh too much, and so she said, yes, sir. And uh, she turned around and walked out, and the co-pilot, who I didn't know either, I didn't know the flight the flight engineer or the co-pilot, and he turned around and he said, you know who that was? I said, yeah, she was senior flight attendant, she told us. And he said, no, 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 do you know who, which flight attendant that was? I said, senior flight attendant. And I said, I can't remember her name. He said, no, she was the flight attendant that lived in the crash of Flight 66 at Kennedy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. She was one of the one. very few. She was one of the very few. There were two flight attendants that lived in that flight, on that wow. flight after it crashed before landing at Kennedy with the microburst. And I said, "Oh my God!" I said, "What have I done?" You know. <laughs> and uh, but anyhow, we we uh, we flew again. And when we got to Washington, we went into the cafeteria there down at the bottom. Uh, in, the old Washington National Terminal, and we had lunch, I think it was, and I told her, I said, I am so sorry that I uh, said that bad uh, joke that I thought was funny, but she, I, she said, no, 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 no. She said, that's that's quite all right. And uh, I said, uh, when did you go back flying? I said, that, do you have any problems anymore? You know, she said, yeah. She said, if, if it's a a stormy day, and she said, on landing, I usually, between the outer market and the runway, I usually grab a hold of the armrest, and I squeeze them. And, uh, but a wonderful, wonderful flight attendant. Wow, wow. Was her but name Eileen? I think was it was. I think, I think it was, yeah. And, uh, and she was, you know, for me to have said that to that one flight attendant, <laughs> take the yep. yeah. great kit and get in my raft. <laughs> If we crash, <laughs> but, oh, uh, she's a nice, she's a nice girl. Yeah, she was yeah, nice girl. great, great, uh, great flying up there for three months, and then I went back home. But I made some extra money by doing that, and uh, weathered in for several days because of the blizzard of '78. But yeah. uh, I want to play this little song, and. Uh, uh, before we uh, sign off here, and this is for our mechanic friends, because I wanted to hear from some mechanics, too. I'd like to hear from all sorts of uh, folks that work with the airlines and different departments. But here's a, a song dedicated to our maintenance friends.
song but uh, got two uh, doctorate degrees as A&P mechanic uh, uh, I have a couple of things that were sent to me and um, one was about uh, the um, uh, it was about the episode we did on uh, and we talked about with uh, Mark uh, Mark's, uh, I can't think of Mark's last name now. The uh, Mark Bird, the second officer who died uh, in the Flight 980, Eastern Flight 980 crash in uh, Bolivia uh, on the approach to La Paz and uh, in the 727. And we did that, I think, about uh, two shows ago. And I got a couple of emails from uh, folks that... Uh, uh, we just uh, sent me an article about it, and here's one from a guy named George Lucas, uh, Loasis, I think it is, or it could be Lucas, but Jr., and he flies for Spirit Airlines, and he said, Neil, I just realized that he was going to be on the show today, but uh, he writes me, he said, Neil, I just realized that my long day in uh, Baltimore, DPWI, is uh, on Sunday, not tomorrow, Saturday, so unfortunately, I will not be able to join the show tomorrow if you can bring up the topic i would appreciate it i still believe something could be done to at least bring formal closure to this tragedy for the families that crash so much time has passed that any players in the issues brought up by george jen in his book have exited the stage a long time ago unlike twa 800 there was never an investigation of any sort by the NTSB. If new wreckage has surfaced, perhaps they will consider it. There is also the possibility of having a private investigation. I know several airline guys that do that sort of thing for insurance companies. I look forward to hearing the show over the weekend, and thanks again for the invite and your great show. My father worked for Eastern and I grew up with the airlines as a big part of my life. Eastern is a big reason why I now fly for an airline. Have a great evening. And that was from George uh, 
Lucas, I, I think it's L-U-A-C-E-S. And I've invited George to come back anytime to be on the show. And uh, he mentioned in an earlier uh, email to me that uh, he was considering a private expedition up there himself. And uh, But uh, if George, if you're listening, we hope you'll uh, join us uh, sometime in a future show. I'd like to hear about how things are going with your airline. And um, we like the last comment in your email about your father working for Eastern, and he grew up uh, as an Eastern brat, which we call brats that are children of the Eastern family. And as a matter of fact, there's a website, and uh, it was started by one of our hosts that uh, on a radio show when we suggested that uh, children of the Eastern employees uh, start a website and call it Eastern Brats, B-R-A-T-S. So um, uh, they have about a few hundred people that are members of it. And so uh, George might be a good place to, to uh, check in with them since you uh, are or were at one time an Eastern Brat. Uh, Jim, did you know we had a, a website called Eastern Brats or Sandy? I didn't. Jim Harrison didn't. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I did not uh, know that. They, yeah, it's pretty neat. Uh, and and we had a couple of shows that we did, and we featured Eastern Brats. And that, uh, that's why we got the idea that it would be a good idea to start a website called Eastern Brats. And uh, but we did a show. My daughter was one of the brats that uh, appeared on our show, and 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 they talked about uh, you know growing up as a as a as a, a family member or a child uh, with an Eastern employee, and uh, good and bad. Of course, they all seem to remember the past privileges that they got, and they had to put on a suit where everybody else was wearing a T-shirt or or a short <laughs> pants, but. Uh, not pass riding. You couldn't do that. <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> but uh, at any rate, uh, well, that's about all the time we have. I'm sorry I took up most of the time uh, in uh, talking about uh, some of the minor remembrances, but it's always good to hear stories uh, of uh, airline folks, and uh, that's the purpose of today's show. So uh, at any rate, we're going to sign off, but uh, Sandy promised to come back and be with us because we need uh, Brenda needs your help too. From time to time, we'd like to have another uh, the cabin crew member uh, that uh, would work the flight, uh, the radio flight, uh, from time to time. Okay, I'd love to. Okay. thank you. We got witnesses around the world that you said that now. I'll hold you to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we're going to let uh, our favorite captain. Hop Harrigan fly us out of out of here on flight 78 today. So, Hop and Jim Harris, thanks so much for uh, for being here, and uh, and we always like to hear your your thoughts and and hear your voice. So, from Dripping Springs, hey, thank you, Texas, Neil. Thank yeah. you, Neil, for doing your usual good job. Well, yes. It's a, it, it's 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 fun. It's impromptu in, in some cases. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> but at any rate, here here's old Hop, and he's going to take us out of here uh, in uh, in uh, his airplane. Feeling well, hundred all clear. Okay, this is Hop Harrigan coming in. Coming in on.
on a wing and a prayer. Coming in on a wing and a prayer. Though there's one motor gone, we can still carry on. Coming in on a wing and a prayer. What a show, what a fight. Yes, we really hit our target for tonight. How we sing as we limp through the air. Look below, there's our field over there. With our full crew aboard and our trust in the Lord, we're coming in on a wing and a prayer. through the air look below there's our field over there with our full crew aboard and our trust in the lord we're coming in on a wing and a prayer see you guys next week thanks a lot Silver wings shining in the sunlight, roaring engines headed somewhere in the flight. They're taking you away and leaving me Don't leave me, I cry Don't take that airplane ride But you locked me out of your mind And left me standing here behind Silver wings Shining in the sun Somewhere in flight They're taking you away Leaving me lonely Silver wings Slowly fading out of sight Taking you away and leaving me lonely. Silver wings slowly fading out of sight. Slowly fading out of sight. Have a 
great day, Sandy.